chapter 12. Romans 12. We're going to talk about renewal today. Renewal. So we're talking about, kind of in this series, we're we're talking about revelation, renewal, and we're going to talk about restoration. Revelation, renewal, and restoration. In the last two weeks, we've talked about revelation, specifically that we need, more than anything, we need a revelation of Christ. We need a revelation of the person of the Son of God. And without that... We have nothing. Without a revelation of Christ, you can operate in, in dead tradition, dead religion. Um, the, the, the Word of God will be nothing to you except a book full of rules and regulations and stories and history that you may or you may not believe. And you'll just uh, selectively pick and choose and apply which ones of those that you want to apply to your life. Which ones of those you want to believe and The ones that aren't culturally relevant for you today, you'll just discount. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Change happens all the time, constantly. Don't confuse that. We are to change, and that's that's why we're talking about these things. We're talking about revelation, renewal, and restoration. We are to change. That doesn't mean God changes. Just like that little baby right there. There's a couple of little babies here. There's my little grandson and John brought his little baby. There's Ephraim. We expect those babies to change, don't we? I mean, five years from now, they're not going to be the same. A year from now, they're not going to be the same. We call it the process of maturity. There's that little baby right there. It's, it's called maturity. It's called growing Maturing and growing up. Who they are in terms of they're human. So that doesn't change. There's another little baby. Look at that. Didn't see that little baby. But they grow and they change daily. So... Just because God doesn't change doesn't mean we are not to change and that things change all around us. Okay? Say okay. All right. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1. We'll just read read, uh, the, the first two verses. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, we ask you today that by your spirit you would open our hearts and open our minds. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, we pray that you would change us and transform us by the working of your spirit. That God, you would cause us to be less and less conformed to the world and more and more transformed and conformed to the image of the Son of God. We ask this today for your glory, God. 
In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, so renewal, when I use this term or this word renewal, I'm, I'm speaking specifically, I'm referring to the renewing of the mind, is what, what we're talking about here. Because this is where it, this is where it starts. James, in, in, in his letter, he says this, he said, sin is conceived in the mind. And if it's left there, it gives birth to sin. And when full grown, it brings forth or produces death. He's talking about temptation. Blesses a man who, who resists temptation for when he's been proved. Um, so where does temptation? Temptation begins where? Begins in my mind, right? I mean, I can see something. I can hear something. I can, you know, smell that uh, big plate of food that I want to eat, but, you know, anybody ever gone on an extended fast? Have you ever noticed that when you decide you're going to go on a fast, it's when everybody has parties and family reunions and barbecues and they do all this stuff and there's a temptation there. So temptation comes in all forms, right? I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be like some gross evil thing. But temptation, it's a thought, so every action begins with a thought. Every sin committed began in my mind. Every sin I commit begins with a thought in my mind. And so what do I need to do? I need to capture my thoughts. This is what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5. through 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of the flesh, but they're mighty through God. For the pulling down of strongholds, for casting down what? Imaginations. Casting down what? Arguments and everything that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We said this before in the, in the Greek. It, the, it's a beautiful word picture here. Paul says you have the power, you have the authority through the Holy Spirit that lives within you to arrest, incarcerate, and make, obey every thought. To the obedience of Christ. You have that power and that authority. To arrest, to incarcerate, and make those thoughts obey. I didn't have that power when I was darkness. Under the law of sin and death. But now I've been born again. And I have a new nature. I've become partaker of the divine nature of God. And the spirit of God lives on the inside of me. Now I have the power and the authority to arrest my thoughts. Incarcerate them. And make them obey Christ. So where does renewal begin? This is why Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. For by the renewing of the mind... We are transformed. Transformation means we're no longer being conformed to the image of the world, but we're being conformed to what? To the image of the sun. How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind by the washing of the water of the word. Now, when I first, when I first got saved, um, my life really radically changed. Uh, it didn't radically change immediately. Some things radically changed immediately. Some things, um, you might look at me and say, some things didn't change. But I promise you, something radically changed in me when I was, when I was born again. And, and so I, I lived up here, and my family, you know, lived two and a half hours south of me. And, and so as I would begin to interact with my family, um, 
they, they just begin to notice, you know, things changed. And I can remember, you know, my, my mom, bless her heart, my mom wanted me to move back to Victoria so bad. And I'd always tell her, Mom, uh, you know, and I, I wanted to move back too. And I said, but you know, Mom, it's not up to me, it's up to the Lord. I've got to be obedient to God. And I remember she said, well, you know, you can be too religious. And, uh, and you know, I have to agree with her. You can be too religious in, in the wrong way, right? And, um, and, you know, people would say, some of my friends, you know, when I, 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 I there were four of us who lived together when I was in college. And, and then after I got saved and, you know, our, our friendship, it, it, things just changed. You know, I quit going out drinking with them. I quit going out, hanging out all night and doing things, you know, that just wasn't really, um, just things I shouldn't be doing, you know. And, and they're like, man, are you brainwashed? Someone brainwashing you? But, you know, the reality is, yes, I need to be brainwashed. I need to wash my brain. My brain needs to be washed with the water of the word. Yes, Yes, God, brainwash me. Please wash my brain with the water of your word so that I can be renewed in my mind and be transformed and conformed to the image of the Son of God. That's exactly what needs to happen. We need to wash our minds with the water of the word. So this is how renewal takes place. As we read, as we meditate, as we study the scripture, we trust what? We trust the Holy Spirit in us to illuminate the word, to, to open our eyes and to open our ears, to see the truth of the word, to see and to understand the manifold wisdom of God. Have you ever noticed that the Bible is very unique from any other book. That you can read the Bible, I don't care how many times you read the Bible, I don't care how many times you read a scripture, you can read a scripture for the 1,000th time, and that 1,000th time, God will just open your eyes and open your understandings and reveal something of his manifold wisdom in that scripture that you never saw before. That is why this is not a natural word. This is not a natural book. This is a supernatural word. This is a book filled with the supernatural word of God. And, and you, you can never read the Bible too much. You're never going to get bored with reading the Bible if you read the Bible trusting God to open up your understanding. You might read that scripture and get the same meaning, the same meaning. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You might read a scripture and say, I have no clue what God is trying to say right there. That's okay too. But one day, one day you're going to read that scripture and, and it's like the light's going to go off. I mean, the Spirit of God on the inside of you is just going to bring illumination. He's going to bring understanding to you. Because you're at a place and a time in your life where God knows. Do you believe that God knows what you need? Do you believe that God knows not only what you need, but He knows exactly when you need it? Do you believe that God not only knows what you need and when you need it, do you believe that God knows how to get to you exactly what you need when you need it? Do you believe that? Don't say yes just because I'm the pastor. I'm asking you and you know what the answer is. The right answer is yes, but do you really believe that? Do you really trust that? So what if you're in a place right now 
and you, you believe with all your heart, you know what you need, but you just don't see it yet. And you're going, God, you know what I need, and I believe I need it now, and it ain't coming now. It's not happening now. Do you trust God in spite of that? Do you trust God that even though what you know that you need and, and, and that you're not receiving it right now, do you trust that God knows? And in his time, the scripture says, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, in his time he makes all things beautiful. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Doesn't say he makes all things beautiful in our time. Doesn't say he makes all things beautiful when we think we, they need to be made beautiful. You know, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So when we talk about renewal and the renewing of the mind, this is, this is part of this process of, of living in faith, in Christ, and resting in him. Trusting that God, what I'm seeing right now doesn't look real good. What's going on around me right now, God, I, I'm not real sure about it. But God says, you know what? Trust me. Because whatever you can see, not only can God see that, he sees much more than what we're able to see. Whatever you know and whatever I know right now, trust me, God knows much more. He knows everything we know plus a whole lot more. So can we trust a Savior and a Creator and say, okay, God, I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Listen, you'll never get to that place without the renewal of your mind. Without allowing the Word of God and the Spirit of God to begin to change the way you think. Do you know the word repentance is not just about changing your behavior. The word repentance is really about changing your mind. You know why your, your behavior, it's just understood that when you repent, we always think of a change of behavior. You know why? Because if our mind changes, then our, then our behavior is going to change. You changed your behavior. Why? Because your mind changed. And repentance, the word repentance is really about a change of mind. A change of thinking. And so when we talk about repentance and renewal, renewing the mind, those things are, are linked together. So it's through the illuminating work of the Spirit of God that a progressive revelation of the Son. Renewal and revelation are linked together. A continual renewal of your mind speaks of and implies a continuing revelation of the Son of God. What are we being renewed to? What are we being conformed to? To the image of the Son. And so we're going to look at some scripture as we go on here of why it's important that we see Jesus. And if we're not seeing Jesus, we can't be transformed or conformed to him if we're not seeing him. So this is all linked. So this progressive revelation of the Son comes 
How does it come? It comes like the sun. It's amazing how God gives us pictures of truth. His truth is bound up in everything of his creation. This is why Paul writes in the first letter, first chapter of Romans, that they are without excuse because the invisible attributes of God are, are everywhere. And so think about revelation in terms of the sun. When we talk about a progressive or continuing revelation of the sun, it comes like the sun that shines brighter and brighter until it comes to the fullness of day. Do you know that when the, when, if you got up early enough this morning to see the sun just peak over the eastern horizon, do you know that that sun even though you, we couldn't see it this morning because it was too foggy. But yesterday morning, if you would have gotten up, you could have seen it. That big, just the very edge of that big orange ball coming up over the eastern horizon. Do you know that that, and you could look at that and it doesn't burn your retina out, right? But now if you looked at the same sun at noontime and you just stood there and you stared at that long enough, you would blind yourself. It's not because the sun is brighter at noontime than it was at 6.30 in the morning when you could see just the, the orange glowing ball there. The sun at 6.30 in the morning is just as bright as it is at noontime. So the brightness of the sun is not getting brighter as time goes. It's our perception of the sun that changes. It's our ability to perceive the brightness. At 6.30 in the morning, the sun is just as bright as it is at noon, but my perception of that brightness is, is different because there are things in the created order that are causing me to see or to perceive the sun in a certain way. As time goes... As the sun rises, if we can use that term, because the sun's not really rising, we're the one moving, right? As the sun rises, my perception of the sun changes because now I am able to see or to perceive the brightness in its fullness in terms of, of how I'm able to perceive it living on planet Earth. That's the way a revelation is. It's not Jesus that's growing in you. Listen, the Jesus in you is, is as full and as glorious and as powerful as he ever has been and ever will be. What's changing when we talk in terms of revelation is your perception of that sun that is in you. I am able to see him brighter and brighter and brighter. And when that happens, as that revelation progresses, and I'm able to see the sun brighter and brighter and brighter, it changes things. It changes me. You can see things at noontime that you couldn't see at 6.30 in the morning. Doesn't mean they weren't there. They were there. You just couldn't see them because they hadn't been illuminated yet. There are things in us 
that God has created and purposed and planned. You can't see them now. You don't know them now because they haven't been illuminated yet. But as you live your life in faith, as you walk this walk of faith in Christ, there, and there is a continuing revelation of the Son, listen, God will begin to illuminate those things that He has placed in your life and created you for. You'll begin to see those things out of the revelation of the Son, just as the Son becomes brighter and brighter and brighter as it reaches the fullness of day. And we are able to see things much more clearly than we were in the dimness. Amen? Are you tracking with me? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So Paul uses, in his writings, he uses this analogy of the sun. I think there's a reason why in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the first thing God spoke that's recorded. Let's look, hold your place in 2 Corinthians. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now I want you to think about that in terms of your life. Here is what does Genesis say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness hovered over the face of the deep. And God said, what? Let there be light. And what was there? There was light. And what happened when light came? What did it do? It illuminated. It didn't... It didn't make something that wasn't there be there. It illuminated what was there. Now, stay with me. We're going to get to 2 Corinthians 4. Now hold your place in 2 Corinthians 4 and go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now we read Ephesians 1 verses 17 through 23 last week. Where Paul is praying, my prayer is that you may know him. This is revelation, that you may know him. That you may receive a revelation of Christ. To know Christ. Ephesians chapter 2. For time's sake, it really, it's so much more effective to read this all together. But let's go down to, let me begin in verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead. I want you to get that. You were dead even when we were dead in trespasses. 
made us alive. Who made us alive? God made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, here's what I want you to see. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When did God prepare the good works that you should walk in after you got saved and you saw what kind of Christian you're going to be? No. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. How are you going to walk in them if you can't see? You ever tried walking in the absolute total blackness of dark? It's hard. Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Why do we need to wash our brains, our minds with the water of the word? Because the word is a lamp unto my feet. When did God prepare good works for us to walk in? Beforehand. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. There was an earth there. There was water there. But no one could see it. Why? There was something that God had created there. There was a work there. Are you, are you hearing me? In the beginning, there was a work there by the creative power of God. But no one could see it. Why? Because there was no light. God said, let there be light. And there was light. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand that you should Walk in them. How are you going to walk if there is no light? What does God do by his word and by his spirit? He brings illumination. He gives you a revelation. He says, let there be light so that you can do what? So that you can see. So that you can see how to walk in the things that he has prepared for you beforehand. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians 4, 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That's Genesis 1. In the first creation, God commanded light to shine out of the darkness. It's this God who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Why did God cause a light to shine in your heart? So that you could see the face of Jesus Christ. The face of Jesus Christ didn't come into existence when light began to shine. The face of Jesus Christ was there before light began to shine. It's that God now in his grace has caused the light to shine in your heart so that you could see his face. Just like 
naturally speaking, God's given you the grace to be able to have natural eyesight so that you can see the sunrise. But even if we were all blind, doesn't mean there's not a sunrise, it just means we can't see it. The same God who spoke light into existence at the beginning of the creation has caused a light to shine in your heart that you might what? That you might see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the light that God shines in our heart to give us the knowledge of the glory of God. Found where? Found in the face of Jesus Christ. So we can say this, that Christ is the ultimate expression of God's glory. And God has caused light to shine in your heart so that you can see the ultimate expression of his glory. Oh, we go to the, you, you know, I, I got two years ago, I got to go for the very first time to Colorado. And I've never seen real mountains before. And, and I got to go up there and, man, you stand, you stand on those mountains and you look at the majesty and you say, oh man, the majesty of God, the glory of God. Yeah, but I'm telling you what. You don't have to go to the mountains. Listen, the ultimate glory of God is not going to be seen in a mountain. It's not going to be seen in an ocean. It's not going to be seen anywhere except in the face of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul speaks of. Now while you're in 2 Corinthians, turn back a page to 2 Corinthians 3. This is what Paul speaks of when he declares in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. Do you know why a mirror works? Do you know how a mirror works? How can you see your reflection in a piece of glass? How come, you, how come when I walk up to that window, or just a window in your house, at noontime, and I look through that window, how come I don't see my reflection in the glass? What causes a mirror to be able to reflect an image? Light does. It's a reflection of light. So that piece of glass just has some silver paint sprayed onto the back of it. And... When you stand before that, the light that's reflect, that is your reflection is bouncing back and you're able to see your reflection. If we didn't have light, mirrors wouldn't work. You guys understand that, right? We'd be in darkness. And so Paul says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being, being, transformed, not we have been, not we will be, we are being. It's an ongoing present tense. We are being transformed into the same image by glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Beholding in a mirror. So what happens as we behold? Whose image are we seeing? Well, when you look in the mirror, when you looked in your bathroom mirror this morning, you saw your image. And Paul understands that, but he's saying to these believers, when you look in the mirror, you need to understand, who is it? It's Christ in you. Who is your life? Christ is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. 
I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He's trying to get these believers to understand that Christ is their life. And when we look in a mirror beholding the glory of the Lord, what happens as we are beholding Him, as we are looking into the image, into the face of Jesus, we are being transformed by the Spirit of God. What does that mean? It means we're being conformed to His image. Or we could think of it this way, because here's how Paul expresses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He uses the mirror analogy again in verse 10. He says, but when, I'm sorry, verse 12, but now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. If you, who has, who has one of those lights in your bathroom that's like one of those sliding lights where you can make dim it, a dimmer, dimmer switch, I think that's what they call it. Anybody have a dimmer? If you have a, if you got a dimmer switch somewhere, do this experiment. Go to where your dimmer switch is and get a mirror. And turn the light off and hold the mirror before you. And then just very slowly begin to turn the dimmer switch up. And you'll get just enough light to where you'll be able to, to, to see that there's an image in the mirror, but you won't be able to see it very clearly, will you? But as the light, as the illumination becomes brighter and brighter, guess what? The image in the mirror becomes clearer and clearer, and next thing you know it, you're looking at yourself face to face. What's the difference? The image in the mirror didn't change. What changed? The level of illumination is what changed. And this is what Paul is saying. Look, as we behold him, the Spirit of God is doing a work. We're being transformed. The image of Christ in us is becoming clearer and clearer and clearer by the work of the Spirit. Why? Because the work of the Spirit is illuminating, bringing you a revelation you're able to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as that is happening, guess what? Your mind, there is a renewal taking place. You begin to see things. You begin to know things. You begin to perceive things that you were not able to before. Amen? But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is what renewal is about. It's about transformation. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We all, as beholding in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image the image of the Lord from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Who is doing the transforming work? Are you doing it or is the Spirit of God doing it? The Spirit of God is doing it. So transformation and renewal take place as we are beholding Him. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, or the initiator and the completer of our faith. Listen, when you build a house, you have a crew come in, 
let's just say you got a vacant lot. You got a crew come in, and, and what, what does the builder do? He clears the lot. He preps the ground to pour the slab. Who's working on your house at the end of the construction process? The concrete crew or the finishers? The finishers are. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He is the one that has begun a good work in you. Philippians 4, 6 says he is faithful to complete it even until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? And he's going to complete it as he, by the Holy Spirit, takes you through a process of renewal. This renewing of our mind is not a one-time experience. It is a continual experience. So that the face of Christ, the image of glory, becomes clearer and clearer and clearer as the illumination by the Holy Spirit becomes greater and greater and greater. And as that happens, you are being changed and conformed to the very image of the Son of God. Ultimately, to His glory. Amen? And then there is a work that God is able to do in us and through us in this world as we become clearer and clearer expressions and manifestations of the life of Christ. Okay, we're going to stop there. We have a lot more to go. And we'll talk more about renewal and transformation next Sunday. Okay? Will you come back? Will you? Okay. Will you wash your brain this week? I'm, I'm advocating brainwashing, okay? As often as you can, wash your mind with the Word of God. As often as you can, let the washing of the water of the Word do its work. Let the Spirit of God in you begin to bring illumination. You will begin to see Christ more clearly and clearly and clearly. Amen? Let's all stand. Greg Young had to leave... Um, he is not feeling well. I prayed with him before he left. I want you guys to keep Greg and the Young family lifted up in prayer. He told me that May's identity was stolen and, and um, they stole her identity and took all the money out of her accounts and, and everything. And <clears throat> Greg now for over a week has been experiencing pressure in his head. You know, he had a bout with bacterial meningitis that literally almost killed him. And he's not fully recovered from that. And uh, he just felt really funny and felt like he had to go home. Um, and and I, I want you guys to, to really remember to pray for this family. And if you think about it, uh, just maybe contact them and encourage them and let them know that you're praying for them. Um, he really needs a breakthrough. And he's having a lot of difficulty with insurance companies and uh, the bureaucracy of how all of this works. And... Uh, and I just feel a real burden for this family that they're just feeling really overwhelmed. And Father, we just lift them up, Lord, as the body of Christ, Lord, as their brothers and as their sisters. And Father, there is not anything uh, we can do to affect Greg's healing, 
But God, we know that you are more than able. God, we've seen you perform miracles in this man's life. Even the fact that he's still living today is a miracle. So Father God, we lift this family up to you. And Father, we come against the attack of the enemy. Lord, I know what you're doing in this family's life is for good. And Lord, you have a good plan and a good purpose for their life. But also know there's an enemy out there, an adversary, Lord, who would like to use any and every opportunity, Lord, to, Lord, to just destroy our faith and to discourage us. And Father, I just pray that you strengthen the young family. And that, Lord, you open doors of opportunity and give them favor. And, and Lord, cut through a lot of the red tape and bureaucracy they're having to battle against. And Father, we just pray for a miracle for them. Just pray your safety. And God, that you watch over them, keep them safe. I just pray, Father God, they would sense your covering and your peace that passes understanding. Lord, in this very, very trying time that they're going through right now, Father. Lord, uh, many, many people are battling sickness in their bodies. A lot of people with the flu and Different symptoms, flu-like symptoms. Father, we just thank you that you're our healer. Lord, that's one of your names, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. And God, we thank you that you've given us the privilege to come boldly to the throne of grace. And God, healing is one of the things that we can pray for and ask for and expect, God. Lord, you don't always heal in the way that we would desire. And you don't always heal in the timing that we would desire. But God, you're a healer. And Lord, we have the promise that healing is not only something that, Lord, we expect to walk in perfect health and perfect strength, Lord, when we leave this earth one day. But Father, it's something that you've given us the privilege to pray for and believe for even on this earth. Regardless of what happens, God, we trust you. And I pray for those that are struggling right now with sickness in their bodies and their families. Father, I pray for this congregation. Lord, as we talk about renewal, this is not just something personally that we need to walk in. Lord, this is something corporately that this body, Christ Fellowship, needs to walk in. That we need a renewal in our mind, in our corporate mind, God. And I pray that you would do a corporate work here. That you would begin to create in us an expectancy, God, a desire for transformation, A desire that we as a body would be conformed more and more to the image of the Son of God. That we would be a brighter and brighter witness in this community. We thank you for that, Father. We praise you and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.